Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What's up guys? For today's video, I'm gonna be doing something a little bit different. I'm gonna be going through the top 36 running backs according to Underdog's ADP, and I'm gonna be talking about why you should draft every single one of them. So every player is gonna have a lot of positives that come with them, and so that's really what I'm gonna be breaking down today. And we gotta start it off with Christian McCaffrey. And with McCaffrey, there's basically everything to like with him. He's going to get a ton of work in the receiving game. I think that's what really separates him from a lot of these other running backs. He basically puts up numbers as a running back and as a wide receiver. He could go for a thousand yards, both rushing and receiving. And I don't think a lot of other running backs have that upside. And he's been a proven RB1 in years past. So you just have a lot of confidence that he's going to be able to repeat that. Dalvin Cook is another one of these running backs that's going to be the workhorse on his team. He may not be as involved in the passing game as Christian McCaffrey is, but he is going to get a ton of workhorse carries, a lot of red zone work. They really rely on him down there inside the 20 and on the goal line, so he has a lot of touchdown upside. And another player who has proven to be a high-end RB1. With Derrick Henry, I think you really like two main things. It's his usage and his touchdown upside. So even though he's not involved in the receiving game, he is going to get a ton of carries, 20 plus carries a game. They really rely on him to wear down the defense. And this is also a very concentrated team with weapons. I think the majority of the work is going to be between Henry, Julio, and AJ Brown. All three of those guys are going to feast. So you know you're going to get his. And it's also been a very efficient offense which leads to a lot of touchdown opportunities. And I think the last thing that you really like about Derrick Henry is just how safe he is in terms of his health. He's only missed two games his entire career despite getting a ton of carries. So that's really what you wanna see in your workhorse running back. For Alvin Kamara, I think you really like his versatileness as a dual threat back. He has kind of like that Christian McCaffrey mold where he's great in the run and receiving game. And even though we don't know who the quarterback is, I have no doubt that he's gonna get workhorse touches we know they like to get Latavius Murray involved, but let's be honest, Alvin Kamara is going to be getting, you know, around 15 carries per game, probably five plus targets, and is another very solid RB1 option. For Saquon Barkley, I think what you really like with him is his ceiling. I mean, he really has Christian McCaffrey level talent. He has the ability to go out there, be targeted 100 plus times, while also running for 1,200, 1,300 yards. He's a workhorse back and just a freak athlete. So when he's on the field, you have total confidence that he's going to be performing at a high-end RB1 level. With Ezekiel Elliott, I think you have to like just his proven track record as a running back one. Before last year, every single year of his NFL career, he has finished as a fantasy RB1. He gets involved in the passing game. He's the workhorse on that team. They have him locked down to a big contract. And so I think you should be confident that he is going to be getting a huge amount of touches this year. With Jonathan Taylor, you've got to be a fan of how he produced as a rookie. He finished as an RB1 his rookie year, you know, despite not even having the starting role for the entire season. So this year, if he's getting more involved in the run game, I think you really have to like his chances to finish as a mid to high end RB1 once he's fully able to take over that backfield for a full 17 games. For Cam Akers, his positives definitely come from his potential workload. We saw it at the end of last season. The man was getting 20 plus carries per game those last four weeks of the season and then the two playoff games. So if he's able to go out there on this improved Rams offense and get that many opportunities, he's bound to finish as a running back one. Nick Chubb, you really just gotta like his efficiency and touchdown upside. I think he's basically a slightly worse version of Derrick Henry. 
He has that same kind of upside in the running game. He's going to be very efficient. A lot of touchdowns. He just isn't going to get as many carries, but it honestly doesn't matter because this Cleveland Browns rushing attack is so explosive and we just know it's going to be successful, which makes Nick Chubb a very safe pick. With Austin Eckler, you've got to just fall in love with his work in the receiving game. Arguably the best receiving back in the NFL. He truly is up there with Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley in terms of his involvement in the receiving game. And this year, I think he really has that upside to go for 100 targets while also getting those workhorse carries. And if he's able to take over that red zone work, I mean, Austin Eckler has legit top three potential. With Aaron Jones, I think you have to feel comfortable because he's finished his last two seasons as a mid to high end running back one. And if Aaron Rodgers returns, he's going to be in a very similar situation that he was in 2019 and 2020. But even if Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back, he may have less efficiency, but he's still going to get a lot of touches, which is going to provide you a really nice floor for fantasy. With Joe Mixon, I think you have to be targeting him for his ceiling. You know, even if he may not have the best track record as a fantasy running back, he really has the opportunity to take over as the full workhorse this year. And I really think this Bengals offense is going to be very solid. They're going to be moving the ball down the field. I think Joe Mixon is going to have some red zone opportunities. I think he can truly have a monopoly on the run and receiving work, which just gives him a huge RB1 upside. With Najee Harris, I think the reason you're drafting him is very clear, and it is that potential to have a truly monster workload. He has the opportunity to step into 300 carries, 80 targets as a rookie, and on the Steelers offense, that's proven to be profitable in the past with Le'Veon Bell. So you're really going in on Najee Harris because of that workload upside. And even if he isn't able to be efficient, he's still going to have a solid floor with you just because of how much he is touching the ball. You'd be drafting Antonio Gibson this year due to his track record from last year operating as the RB1 of this Washington football team. You saw that he had a ton of touchdown upside last year in a very non-explosive offense. So now this year you bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick. This Washington football team offense is going to be putting the ball in the end zone at a much higher rate. And Antonio Gibson has the opportunity to be the beneficiary of that. And I think you also just have to like that he does have the receiving potential. Even if you're not confident he's going to you know, get a ton of targets, he still definitely has that ability if the opportunity presents itself. With Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I think you have to like this offense he's attached to. This Chiefs offense is going to be top five in points, and that just gives their workhorse running back, CEH, a lot of touchdown upside. And I think you also have to be encouraged with how well he played at the beginning of the year before, you know, the Le'Veon Bell signing. And that's just going to be a little glimpse into what he's going to be able to do this year over a 17-game season operating as the number one. For DeAndre Swift, I really just think you have to like his talent overall. Even though this situation isn't ideal, it may not matter just because DeAndre Swift is so talented. He is a great receiving back, a great runner, just a very efficient running back, and he has the opportunity to get a huge target share on this offense as a running back. They don't have a lot of weapons, which means they may need to force feed DeAndre Swift the ball, and he's going to be running behind a pretty solid O-line. So, you know, it may not seem all positive for DeAndre Swift, but he definitely has some very favorable things going for him. Here at number 17 in the ADP, you have J.K. Dobbins. And I think if you're looking at a scale of these running backs, you have Derrick Henry, then you have Nick Chubb, and then you have J.K. Dobbins. They're all kind of in that same mold 
of these very efficient running backs with not a lot of receiving upside, but you know, great rushing ability and great touchdown upside. And that's exactly what J.K. Dobbins has. He's going to be attached to this Ravens offense. They're going to be running the ball at a very high rate. And it's because Lamar Jackson is so efficient. The defense has to respect Lamar and it opens things up for J.K. Dobbins. And he also showed last year that when he was operating as the number one, he could really get into the end zone was almost averaging a touchdown a game. So that's really what you're looking forward to with J.K. Dobbins. For Chris Carson, I think you like that he has the opportunity to step back into that workhorse role. And you're also getting him at potentially a discounted price because if he is the workhorse of the Seattle Seahawks offense, he's basically locked in for a thousand plus yards if he's healthy. And then you also have to like how good he was in the receiving game last year. Even though he dealt with those injuries, he had much higher usage in the receiving game than he had in years past. So if he can combine those workhorse carries with some more receiving role involvement, I think you're looking at a much higher ceiling for Chris Carson. With Miles Sanders, I think his upside is very similar to DeAndre Swift's. You're really feeling confident just in the player overall. I think Miles Sanders is a very capable running back and he'll likely have the opportunity to take over those workhorse snaps. And so if he plays well, you know, he runs well, he's able to make plays out of the backfield in the receiving game. I think you're locked into a very talented RB2. At number 20 in ADP, it's David Montgomery. And for Montgomery, I think you just have to appreciate what he did last year. And it does show that he has that potential. You know, it may not be looking like he can repeat, but I mean, there's not a lot of running backs who even have the ability to finish as a top tier RB1. And David Montgomery did that last year and he's going as a lower end RB2. So, you know, there could definitely be some value there. For Josh Jacobs, it seems like not a lot has really been going in his favor. And I would honestly agree with that but I still think he's going to be the RB1 on this Raiders offense. They've shown in years past that they want to give him a huge workload, and I think he's still going to be getting a lot of carries this year, and I do think he's also going to be the goal line back, so I still think he'll have some of that workload he had from last year, which could provide some solid RB2 value. For Mike Davis, I think you really have to be a fan of just how high his ceiling is, because he's going into this Falcons offense. They didn't bring in anyone else to really compete with him. I think he's gonna step in and be the RB1 on this team. They brought in Arthur Smith and you saw how he used Derrick Henry. And I'm not comparing, you know, Mike Davis to Derrick Henry, but if his involvement in the offense is anywhere close to Derrick Henry's, then he is gonna be an absolute steal here at RB22. And so you're really just liking that he has the potential to be the total workhorse out of this Falcons backfield. Travis Etienne is up next here, and I think you have to buy in to his ability as a dual threat running back. He's shown the ability in college and in training camp that he can be a great runner as well as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Urban Meyer has talked about using him out of the slot and very heavily in the receiving game, and that's great, especially in half-point PPR and PPR formats. And you also know that he has some connection and some chemistry with Trevor Lawrence. They played together at Clemson. And so, you know, if Trevor Lawrence is going into a brand new offense and Travis Etienne is the only guy he really knows and trusts, then I think that could really help Etienne out during the season. Number 24 in ADP is Miles Gaskin. And I kind of view him and Mike Davis as similar players just because people aren't positive they're going to be the starters. But I mean, the upside that Miles Gaskin will have if he can take over that Dolphins backfield, that's really why you're going to be drafting Miles Gaskin. He showed that he is great in the receiving game. And even if he's getting, you know, 12 to 15 carries per game with Tua likely checking down a lot, Miles Gaskin has legit RB1 upside if he can take over that backfield. 
onto the last 12 running backs at 25 in terms of ADP. It's Kareem Hunt. And I think you'd really be picking him for his safety and, you know, potential upside because on this Browns offense, you know, they're going to have a very efficient run game. And we know that Kareem Hunt is going to be involved. They gave him a two-year extension. And, you know, that's not just for him to sit on the bench. He's going to be involved getting carries also in the receiving game. And then he also has that upside where if Nick Chubb does go down, then he could be a high-end RB2 or a, you know, lower-end RB1. For Javante Williams, I think his upside is that he comes in and he wins that starting job from Melvin Gordon. You know, they did spend draft capital on him and they probably want to introduce him into the offense. So if he can show up and prove right away that he is the top option, I don't have any doubts that they're going to be giving him the ball a lot. And that's really where his upside is going to come from if he can take over as the workhorse out of this backfield. Up next, I think the reason why you'd be drafting Chase Edmonds is pretty clear. I think you have to start off with just how good of a pass catching back he is. That's his role. And that really is his specialty. And he almost had standalone fantasy value last year, especially in larger leagues, just using that pass catching role with Kenyon Drake as the RB1. And so this year, they did bring in James Conner, but I do think Chase Edmonds will have the opportunity to be the RB1 out of this backfield. And if he can take over that running game as well, I mean, his ceiling is way up there along with guys like Miles Gaskin and Mike Davis. For Trey Sermon, you have got to be banking on him taking over this 49ers backfield because if he's able to beat out Raheem Mostert or even kind of get into a split with Raheem Mostert, I think they're probably going to lean towards Sermon because they did spend draft capital on him. And if he can take over this RB1 spot for the 49ers, one of the best rushing offenses in the NFL, he's just going to have crazy upside. Shanahan's run blocking schemes are truly impressive. And we really haven't seen one guy on the 49ers truly take over, but it seems like whoever they throw into that RB1 role has success. So it's definitely a very valuable position, especially if someone is able to truly hone in on it. Up next, we have Trey Sermon's teammate in Raheem Mostert, and he basically has the same reason you'd be drafting him if he's able to hold on to that number one running back spot. We saw at the beginning of last year before his injuries, he was performing well and he did kind of win that spot. So if he can just hold off Trey Sermon, we've seen that it can be a very profitable position. At RB30, it's James Robinson. And I think for James Robinson, you're really hoping that Urban Meyer kind of uses Travis Etienne exclusively as a receiving back. He has kind of talked about that Travis Etienne is going to be the third down back. And we know that James Robinson is a very capable NFL running back. In my opinion, one of the most underrated guys in the NFL. We saw that he put up very solid numbers last season. So you've got to hope that in training camp, he's really showing out and, you know, isn't going to give up that starting job to Travis Etienne at all. Up next, I've got Michael Carter, and I've made this comparison before, but I basically think that Michael Carter is the Walmart version of Trey Sermon. And it's because they both can find their, you know, ceiling by beating out the rest of their guys in their backfield. They're both kind of involved in these crowded, muddied backfields. But if they break out, that's really where they have their value. But Michael Carter, his ceiling is just a little bit lower. But if he's able to beat out these other guys around him, being the RB1 on any team is definitely valuable for fantasy. And I do think he'll have the opportunity to do it because in my opinion, the running backs in that backfield are not super impressive. For Damian Harris, you have to like his potential to just step in and be the running back one for the Patriots. And I think you also have to like that Mac Jones is there because if Mac Jones is able to take over that QB1 spot, that opens up all the red zone carries for Damian Harris, 
where if he's able to be the RB1 on that Patriots team, which I think is going to lean pretty heavily on the run game, it could be a very beneficial role for Damian Harris to be involved in. Back to back here at RB33 and 34, you've got Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, and I think they basically have pretty similar upside. For Fournette, I think he does have a little bit more of a receiving upside than Ronald Jones, but they both just have the opportunity to put up absolutely monster games. We've seen both of these guys last year have crazy weeks, and it's just because this Buccaneers offense is so explosive. And I think for Leonard Fournette, if he's able to break out as the RB1 in that backfield, he's able to get the carries and combine that receiving work, then he has a ton of value. With Ronald Jones, I think he's a better pure runner. So if he can kind of eat into those carries and push Leonard Fournette into more of like a third down roll, I think that's where he's really going to find his upside. Up next, it's Zach Moss, and I think his upside is pretty clear. It's got to just be the opportunity to take over that Buffalo Bills backfield. I mean, I think the Bills would want to run the ball if someone truly stands out and is very effective. So if Zach Moss goes in and presses and plays well, he could be getting some solid RB1 workload on the Bills. All right, the last running back in this top 36, it's Melvin Gordon. And I think you'd be drafting him because you're hoping that he's able to hold off that starting spot. He still signed for one more year with the Broncos. And I do think they want to be competitive. So if he's just flat out the better running back than Javante Williams, I think they're going to keep using him, give him the most touches, and then let Javante Williams take over next year. So he just really has to hold him off for this year, and he'll be able to put up some decent fantasy production. All right, so that is going to wrap up why I would draft every single one of these running backs in the top 36. You know, even though I'm not going to be interested in a lot of these guys, it is just good to talk about, you know, kind of the pros of each player because every player does have an argument for being drafted. So that's why I thought this kind of type of video would be important. But thank you guys for watching and listening. If you guys liked it, just please make sure you leave a like and subscribe. I'd really appreciate that. But that's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for stopping by and I'll see you guys tomorrow.